Well, I heard Danny talking earlier about, you know, your summer plans of possibly staying in the dorm or not staying in the dorm. And, and I think that if you stay in the dorm, you have to pay for it. Is that, am I, am I getting that correctly? Okay. Well, I just have an opportunity for you to um, work with us throughout the summer and you won't have to pay room and board. Okay. So I'm just letting you know that ahead of time. Talk about that a little bit. Um, but there is a catch, yeah, you do have to work with us, but uh, we can take care of your room and board for the summer. So there's an option for you. How many of you like to eat and sleep? Anybody here like to eat and sleep? Okay. I know I'm talking to college students, so I'm probably good there, all right? How many of you prefer eating and sleeping over going to college, the classes? Okay. <laughs> good to see that, Gail. All right. All right. <laughs> so I want to take a few minutes this morning to share with you something that God's been really um, speaking to my heart about, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a little older than you guys. Anybody, did anybody notice that when you came in? You know, I'm a little older than you guys. Okay, some of you are pretty sharp like that. That's good. Anyway, I remember back when I was in college. Turn your neighbor and go, whoa. <laughs> that was a long time ago. But one of the things about when I went to school, went to college, really my time at college was about the future me. In other words, I was there to get educated. I was there to get trained with some ideas where I was trying to focus, where I thought I would be going in life, that type of thing. So my time at school or college was really about the future me. And so I've kind of twisted that a little bit today and say today with this message a little bit about the future you, okay? And a lot of you who are here, maybe you're going to be a pastor one day. Maybe you're going to be a youth minister, maybe children's worker, church administrator. Who knows what it is? Maybe you're here just to get a, a good education, a biblical education, so to help you as you walk your life uh, throughout the rest of your life. So I want you to realize that I'm talking to you guys today about the future you, but I want to ramp it up a little bit, okay? I want to talk a little bit about this. I want to let you know that it's not your time here at this time of life, not just being a college student, but being a young person, generally speaking, most of you, okay? This is a great time to think about the future you. This is probably one of the best times you have to think about the future you. Now, let me just give you a little comparison of what I'm talking about. Okay, I'll be 60 in June. How much future me do, I think, do you think I have left? A few years. We don't know, right? I mean, it could be tomorrow. It could be today. Hopefully not while I'm preaching, but anyway, well, you know, we'll, we'll go from there. But the whole idea is I don't, I don't necessarily have a tremendous long future ahead of me. Now, most of you, 18, 19, 20 years old, if life goes, you know, kind of normal, you still have quite a bit of what ahead of you? Life future, the future you. And so I want to take a chance this morning and have you think about this. I want you to think strongly about doing something today or during your time, this time of life, this young time of life, that your future you will thank you for. It's an interesting thought, isn't it? What can I do today that my future you would say, man, I'm glad you did that? Does that make sense? Okay. Now, here's one of the things that I want you to see about this. Our actions and decisions today will shape the way we will be living in the future. Uh-oh, that just got a little more serious, didn't it? Have you ever thought about the way that you live your life right now? The things that you do and the things that you might have opportunities to do during this time of life will shape your future a lot more than you ever expect it to. So I want you to take a moment and just think about that. What am I doing right now that's already impacting my future? 
Now you're saying, I'm taking classes, I'm, I'm learning different things, and that's great. But I'm talking about ministry, I'm talking about other things. What else are you doing that will impact the future you? So this morning, I want to give you some, hopefully it'll be good advice. Um, I sold out to the Lord when I was 29. So I've had just a little over 30 years now of the school of hard knocks, of what I call it, my ministry with the Lord, how much he's taken me um, on a journey in my life. And there's two insights that I, I want to share with you this morning that go along with the future you, because it truly impacted my life. Now, here's the first one. I want you to think about this. Taste and see ministry to know what Jesus knew. I want you to taste and see ministry to know what Jesus knew. Now, what do I mean by that? 30 years of serving the Lord in a variety of things, I've learned some really neat things about what Jesus knew. <laughs> okay? And so I want you to read this passage of Scripture with me. It says, John 13, 3, it says, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, when you read those Scriptures and they talk about the Last Supper, they go into quite a bit of detail, don't they? <laughs> John, however, basically his whole statement about the Last Supper and Supper was done. <laughs> he wanted to get into this aspect that Jesus did with his disciples. And so basically dinner was done and it says, Jesus, listen to this, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and that he was going to go to God. How many of you think that's a very powerful statement? <laughs> See, I want to challenge, I want to ask you guys. No matter the circumstances in your life, do you know that God has everything under control? And do you act that way? Because you've got to understand, this, this took place the night that Jesus was going to be betrayed. This took place within the 24-hour period where he was going to be put through this mock trial, beaten, spit on, um, scourged and crucified on a cross. And it says here that Jesus, what? Knew that God had put everything, basically it was under God's control. How many think that's a pretty powerful statement now? <laughs> Thinking about that. You see, one of the insights that I want you guys to realize, I want you to taste and see ministry enough that you can come to this conclusion early in life. <laughs> And you know how you can come to this conclusion? Is the next phrase says that he knew that he had come from who? He had come from God. Did Jesus come here with a specific purpose? I tell you what, when you study scriptures, there's so many things that were said as it was written for Jesus. Do you realize that Jesus had a pretty tight script that he had to follow in order to be the Messiah, right? He came with a specific purpose. Now, how many of you know that God has a specific purpose for you and a specific detailed life that he wants for you to live out? And then I like that next one. <laughs> he knew where he was going to what? He was going to return to God. And this is what I love about this. He knew that God had everything under control, that he had come for a specific purpose, and because everything was under control, he was going to accomplish that purpose, and when it was all done, where was he going to go? He was going to go back to heaven. I don't know about you, but if you and I can grab a hold of that principle for our lives, that we know that everything that happens to us is all part of God's control, and that we're here part of a specific reason 
to accomplish what he has for us, and then when it's all said and done, we're going to go spend eternity with him? How many think that's a win-win-win for us? Right? But here's one of the things that we get into that I think is interesting. Is in Luke 16, 13, it says, No servant can serve two masters. How many of you believe Jesus served only one master? How many of you know that he battled with it? The, the Bible tells us there was a battle between the flesh and the spirit. But he chose to serve only one master. Now, you can get into a lot of discussion about that last phrase, you cannot serve God money. Um, I think it's a bigger picture than money. I think it's um, everything that goes against God. <laughs> I really believe that. And so that's going to draw us away from believing that God is in control. The things of this world are going to want to draw us away from the fact that God's in control. Because I'm telling you, you know, it's really interesting to me because I love this part of it because it's almost like I can almost picture Jesus saying this. God, we got them right where we want them. This is the night before he's going to be crucified and all that that is going to, he's like, God, we've got them right where we want them. Because he knew that that's what had to happen in order for him to fulfill his purpose for him to be what? To go back to heaven. To set up the right hand of God. So my challenge to you is this. Keep tasting and seeing ministry so that you can know what Jesus knows, so you don't have a huge issue with which servant or which master you're serving. See, the more you serve, the more you surrender your life to the Lord, the more that you allow him to do things in your life, the more that you will know what Jesus knew. How many think that's probably a great goal in life, to know what Jesus knew? Okay? So I want you to think about that. With that, you know, Paul... And, and you may have to help me, my mind just went blank. It's either 1 Corinthians 7 or 2 Corinthians 7 where he talks about the differences between being single and married. Is it first? Okay. He's basically telling single people that while you're single, you have the freedom to do a lot more than you can when you're married because you have responsibilities when you're married. Can I just be blunt with you? I know a lot of you worry more about paying for things than you do about serving the Lord. And this is the greatest time for you guys to serve. The greatest time. Every time's a great time, but this is starting to establish it in your life. All right, my second, my second point that I want to share with you is don't underestimate the power of the flesh. Don't underestimate the power of the flesh. How many of you remember who John Wayne was? Most of you do? Okay, I just want me, you know, I've, I've spoke with other groups where they're a little younger, like, who, what? Okay, he had a movie called El Dorado. Yeah. Anybody like that movie? Okay, well, I'm good. I don't have to go into a lot of detail about it, but you know toward the end when they get into the, the battle and John Wayne, of course, he's been shot, and now he's feeling paralyzed and he can't, you know, with his gun hand, he can't do things, and then the sheriff's been shot in the legs and he's hopping along and, and now they're fighting this really good fast gun, right? Well, they figure out this plan where he gets on a buckboard and everything comes together and, and John Wayne and the sheriff, they actually, they win the battle. But they go over to the hired gun hand that has been shot and he's on his dying, dying bed, so to speak. And this hired gun hand looks at him and says, you never gave me a chance, did you? Does anybody know what John Wayne said at that point? Does anybody remember? 
You were too good to give a chance. Here's my point to you. Your flesh is too good to give a chance. Your flesh is way too good to give a chance. And we have a great God and he can overcome these things, but I think it's good to know our enemy. It's good to know our enemy. So I want to walk through this a little bit. Don't underestimate the power of your flesh. Here's what Charles Spurgeon said. You cannot slander human nature. It's worse than words can paint it. Wow. And I know I met you at Arrowhead. I can't remember. Is it John? Matt. Matt. Okay. Do you believe that about your flesh? How many of you believe that about Matt's flesh? <laughs> I'm still picking on you, my friend. I'm still picking on you, okay? I get to go to Arrowhead next week, by the way, so that's pretty cool. But anyway, you know, this, isn't that true about our flesh? Okay? But I want you to see something here. In Romans 13, 14, Paul says it this way, Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make what? No provision. Zero provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. How, many, how much provision should we give our flesh? How much? Zero. How many of us play around with our flesh? How many of you sometimes think, well, you know, I'm going to Bible college. I can probably get away with doing this. Or I've really served the Lord in this area. He, he should give me a buy if I do this. What does the scripture say that we should give as far as provision for our flesh? Zero. So I want to do this. I want to give you five reasons for the no provision clause that Paul has, okay? So I want you to go through this with me. And I want to pick up from where we left off here in, in verse 3 of John chapter 13, okay? So it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things in his hand, that he'd come from God and he was going back to God, rose from supper. There's, there's John's description of the Last Supper, okay? Rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Okay, so here's the scene. Dinner's over. Jesus gets up, removes his outer cloak, puts a towel around him, gets a basin of water, and what does he start to do? He starts to wash the disciples' feet, right? Okay. Now, notice in the next verse it says, He came to Simon Peter. I like this. It says, He came to Simon Peter. So that gives you the indication that Simon Peter wasn't the first one, right? He was washing the disciples' feet. Now, I want you to, go, I want you to follow with me with this one, okay? Now, I come over here, and the first thing I do is I get this basin out, and I wash your feet, okay? I move over here, and I wash your feet, I move over here and I wash your feet. I come to Matt and he says, are you going to wash my feet? <laughs> what? <laughs> but isn't that exactly what Peter did? Here's something about your flesh that you need to realize. Is your flesh will keep you from seeing the obvious. In fact, you may see it, but then your flesh will come up with all kinds of rationalizations, all kinds of excuses not to do what the obvious is. There's a lot of us in this room, including myself, we see things that God wants us to do, and it's so obvious, and we don't do it. Does that make sense? Don't let your flesh, this is why it's so powerful. This is why you don't give it any provision because it'll even take the things that are so obvious for you, what you should be doing. 
and take you away from it. So then Jesus answered him. Now Jesus is kind of being gracious to Peter here. He says, Peter, what I'm doing right now, you don't understand, but afterwards you will understand. Okay? So what is Jesus really saying? Peter, obey first, understand later. How much does our flesh like that statement? See, our flesh will say, I want to understand before I do anything. I need to understand because my security is in my knowledge of understanding things, and I can't step out in faith if I don't know what I'm doing or what I'm going to be doing. And your flesh then will say, absolutely, you've got to understand before you do anything. Anybody have that issue in their life? And then, once again, it starts getting amped up here a little bit, kind of like this. Peter said to him, oh, you show what? What did you say to me, Matt? What did you say? I what? Never What? (laughs) Peter said to Jesus. Now, I'm not Jesus. He's not Peter. We're just role playing here, okay? All right? It's a good thing, huh? (laughs) Peter said to Jesus, you're never going to wash my feet. I know none of you have ever said anything like that, right? I'll never do that. Did anybody ever say you weren't going to go to Montana Bible College? You're here? Okay. (laughs) It's amazing how that works out, okay? But here's a look at this. Flesh will take a very strong stand against what is God's will. Never, never, never I will do that. How powerful is your flesh? How many of you think it's crazy to stand up to God, look him in the eye and say, I will never do what you want me to do? Is that smart? But will our flesh do it? That flesh that you have in you, will it do it? It absolutely will, given a chance, given provision, it will do that. And then Jesus, and then Jesus answered him and said, Now, Peter, I've been nice to you long enough. (laughs) He says, If I don't wash your feet, then you have nothing to do with me. How many of you think that's a pretty powerful statement by by Jesus? How many of you would like to hear that? This is why, to me, it's so important at this time of your life that you make no provision for your flesh and that you start doing things ministry-wise so that you know what Jesus knows because you know how powerful your flesh can be. Because it's only until you know what Jesus knows that you don't get to a point where you say never, never, never to God. So you guys get asked to do all kinds of things here. And how many times do you say to yourself, I'll never do that? Before you even ask God what he wants you to do. And then when it gets to a point where you realize that you've done something wrong, that you have literally said no to God, then you know what your flesh wants to do? It wants to make up for it. What did Peter say? Okay, Lord, watch all of me. (laughs) Once again, that was an attempt by the flesh to gain control and still get credit for everything by saying, okay, yeah, I was wrong here, but now I can make up for it. How many of you have tried to make up for things that you've done wrong before? 
Do you know that's your flesh doing that? Because Jesus goes on and tells them basically this. He says, if you're saved, you don't need to be saved again. But if you need to be washed in this area, you better get that area washed. Another principle I think that comes out of this is this. If God asks you to do something and you don't do it, don't go try to make up for it like the children of Israel and said, okay, we're going to go into the promised land now rather than wander for 40 years. That was all a flesh reaction. Instead, say, God, what do you want me to do now? Ask God to forgive you and move on to the next thing he wants you to do. Don't try to make up for it because that puts your flesh back in control. And then this one. We're done picking on Peter at the moment. <laughs> okay, so Matt, you can relax. Okay, all right. Jesus said to him, The one who hath bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is com- he is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. Who's sitting in this group of men? Judas. And what did Judas have in his heart to do? And Jesus called him on it right then. I don't know about you, but if, <laughs> if I was secretly planning on denying Jesus or to, you know, betray Jesus, <laughs> and all of a sudden Jesus says something like that to the group of us <laughs> that are sitting there, and I'm going, how many of you would think twice maybe about doing what you're <laughs> planning to do? Because Jesus basically is telling Judas, I know what you're going to do. And yet Judas's flesh is so strong that what? That our flesh will choose to show us just to ignore sin completely. You guys want to know the secret to overcoming the flesh? I'm giving you a little bit of it, but this, one, this, one's, this one's my rocket science attempt to give you a, a statement that should blow your mind. In fact, turn to your neighbor and say, this statement's going to blow our minds. Go ahead. Okay. Get ready for this statement. Okay. All right. So, okay. All right. So now, are you ready for it now? Are you ready for this statement of how to overcome the flesh? Are you ready? You sure? Let's do it. You ready? All right. Here, you can push the top button. You can, you can have the privilege of doing it. What happens when you fight the flesh with the flesh? <coughs> Who wins? <laughs> right? Your flesh is so powerful, and then you try to fight your flesh with the flesh? Now turn your name and say, that'd be pretty stupid to do that, wouldn't it? <laughs> So I go back to that Romans 13, 14. It says to do what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot to that statement, but one of the things that I want you to realize is that God wants you to know what Jesus knows because you've begun to trust God. You've acted in faith and you're seeing what God's doing in your life. And you know that God's got things under control, that he has a purpose from you, and when it's all done, you're going to go to be in heaven. So what's, what's to lose in the whole scenario? Right? All right? And then Hebrews 12, 2 says, Let us run with patience the race is set before us, looking unto Jesus, who is what? The author and finisher of our faith. And I won't get into a lot of details. I could spend a lot of time on that. But the whole thing is what? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Look to him as the author of our faith, the beginning and finishing of our faith. So I want to challenge you this morning. What ministry are you doing that will help you get the mindset of Christ in your mind. 
What are you willing to try? Are you willing to ask God, as it says in Proverbs, to acknowledge him in every aspect of your life as to what he would have you do? You see, when you have those two mindsets, that you make no provision for the flesh because you know how powerful it is, you don't want to underestimate it, and you have the mind of Christ, then you will what? You will taste and see ministry to know what Jesus knew. You will get to understand what Jesus knew, and then you won't underestimate the power of your flesh. You'll make no provision for it. So if you were to examine your life right now, what would you say you're doing to try to gain that mindset of Christ? What are you doing? I know that when you study academically like what you're doing here, it's very easy just to let it be the academic part of it. Are you applying it to your life? Are you starting to step out and do things in faith that God wants you to do? Are you putting things in place so that there is no provision for the flesh? Does that make sense? Because today is not only about the present you, but it's also about the what? The future you. And the habits and the things that you start doing today will impact your tomorrow a lot more than you ever think it will. The habits that you developed, the processes that you develop of trusting the Lord in every aspect of your life will impact you tomorrow in greater ways than you can ever imagine. If you wait until tomorrow to start developing those habits, now you're putting off the impact, what? <laughs> Even many years down the road. Chris has heard me say this many times before. One of the reasons I'm very passionate about sharing messages like this with young people is because I waited until I was 29 before I surrendered my life to the Lord. And I've watched a 30-year journey with him that has taken me places that have just blown my mind what he's doing in my life. And you know what? The one regret that I have the most is I wonder where my life would be today if I'd started when I was 14 or 15 and let God do this for me. That's my challenge. And because I ultimately want you down the road to say thank you for what you did today. I want the future you to say thank you for what you did today. That's my heart. Now, just a quick advertisement. <laughs> I say a lot of these things. That is my heart. My heart was to share that with you this morning. But here's an opportunity for you to take and step out in faith and doing some things. Danny was talking about it. I've been here two years now. This is my second year. It'll be two years in April. The first year I came here, we reached about 200 kids for Christ. This past year, we reached over about 800 or so, about 3,200 3, if you count the, the fair that we did over in Billings and doing face painting and stuff like that. We partnered with one church the year before. Last summer, we partnered with 24 churches. This summer, my goal is 50 churches. In order for this to be successful, I need interns. And that's why I'm here to, at the ministry fair, the things that I do. I don't want you to say, you know what, that's just children's ministry, teaching children's not my thing. Boom. What has your flesh just done? That's just ignored what God might have you do. Because the thing I want you to realize, is this is more than just children's ministry, okay? You will clearly learn how to share the gospel. And you'll get a boldness about sharing the gospel that you've never probably had before. I've seen it happen over and over and over again. I've seen... Um, you learn how to teach children. You, children's ministry in general, you learn how to do that. Teen ministry. How many of you here are interested in youth ministry? 
if you work with us for the summer, you're actually going to be leading a team of teenagers. How many think you'll gain some experience <laughs> working with teens? Chris and I traveled all summer with teens. We gained a lot of experience last year, <laughs> okay? But the thing is, okay, volunteer relationships, pastoral relationships. How many of you think of past pastors in your future? How would you like to work with pastors all summer long to get and talk to them? Yeah, you're responsible for a team of teenagers that you're putting on children's ministry because that's where we're reaching children. But there's a lot to this. This is a bigger, bigger thing than what you think just children's ministry. To be quite honestly, um, can we make sure this is not being recorded anywhere, Gail, or anything, okay? Okay, don't record this, okay? And don't, I won't, I'll deny it if you all say this later on, okay? But anyway, my heart, I like children, but my heart is not to minister to children. You know my heart is? Over 30 years of experience, God's brought me to be a part of a leadership team that develops an organization in the state. Well, that was, that's, right now our goal is to reach 10,000 children by the end of 2020. Wow, I'm in charge of a state ministry, that, and I, that's why I'll deny this if you ever say this anywhere else, okay? It doesn't mean that I don't love children, okay? But my heart is not to teach and minister to children. My heart is to build an organization that reaches all kinds of children because it's going to impact teenagers, it's going to impact their families, it's going to help churches grow and, and reach and do the, the Great Commission. Does that make sense? So I'm asking you to take a little extra time this morning and say, you know what, maybe this is where God would have us be. Because we will help you, we'll train you, we're not going to put you out there without a lot of training. And as, I don't know if many of you have heard or not, but if you do an internship with us along um, for the summer, you will get credit for the internship, plus you have a teaching children's class, I think it's called, that you will get credit for. So working with us for one summer, you can actually earn seven credits. Um, yeah, isn't that pretty cool? Okay, I thank Gail for that and some other ones that are really part of that because this is an awesome opportunity for you. So I'm going to close with that. I think I'm right on time. <laughs> okay, but here's this, okay? Remember this. Your future you will thank you for making choices today that help you get the mind of Christ and don't underestimate the power of your flesh. I guarantee it. And maybe working with CF this summer is one of those steps that God wants you to do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your goodness to us. Father, I trust you for what you want to do with these students. Thank you for the privilege of sharing your word. Trust that it goes out and does what you want it to accomplish. Thank you again for the privilege of being able to share it. I pray for each one of these students, Father, and the staff and the faculty. praise you for this school. I love what it does. And Father, just thank you for this school. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.